60 million lives have been lost due to abortion. Millions of mothers led astray by the abortion industry. Divorce, sex trafficking, and infertility are at an all-time high. Entering into a movement where this is the evil we face can seem extremely difficult. But I believe that great change is simply a series of small things done consistently. Together, we will learn how to do the small things for the pro-life movement. And together, we will end abortion one baby step at a time. I'm your host, Hope, and this is the Simply Pro-Life Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Simply Pro-Life Podcast. I am your host, Hope, and today we're joined by a very special guest, which I'm very excited to have on today. It is Sister Didi. Is it Byrne? Is that how you pronounce your last name? Yes. Uh-huh. Awesome. So she is an active missionary sister and superior of her community here and well, there in Washington, D.C. I'm here in Chicago. Uh, she is a double board certified in family medicine and general surgery, a native of Washington, D.C. area, Sister Didi. What, what's your full name? How do you pronounce it? Deirdre Mary Byrne. Oh, very nice. Okay. But you go by Sister Didi. Yeah, I think it's because it's so much easier for people. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. So she's one of eight siblings. That's cool. I have seven siblings. And she graduated from Virginia Tech. After college, Sister Dee Dee followed in her surgeon father's footsteps and entered into medical school at Georgetown University, where she eventually completed a surgical residency, which is really, really cool. During that time, she also joined the Army um, while working in both military and missionary services in far-ranging areas. She was led to the little workers of the Sacred Hearts community, whose charism involves placing each and every person she cares for between the heart of Jesus and Mary. Her apostolate has been performing overseas medical missionary surgery and providing free medical care for the poor and uninsured. The over 130-year-old community includes 400 members worldwide, and by the year 2000, the board-certified Dr. Byrne made her commitment to the little workers and began her novitiate training in the earnest. Sister Dee Dee retired with the rank of colonel in the United States Army in 2009 after 29 years of service. She was extremely grateful for the opportunity to have served the brave soldiers while deployed in Afghanistan. Over the years, Sister Dee Dee has found it easy to integrate her medical and military service into her religious vocation. Though comfortable in scrubs, she wears a full black or white working habit while she can and is grateful for the impact it has to whom she ministers. Currently, she is the superior of the D.C. Little Workers of the Sacred Heart. The sisters run a pro bono physical therapy clinic and diabetic eye clinic, a retirement home for the elderly sisters, as well as a pro-life ministry. Sister Dee Dee's other charitable medical services include hands-on ministry in the rubble of the Twin Towers following the terrorist attack of 9-11, caring for the sick during the earthquake in Haiti in 2011, uh, and annual medical missions to Haiti which is very, very cool. They do a lot of sidewalk counseling, abortion pill reversal pregnancy center in their convent, providing support to unwed mothers. So needless to say, Sister Didi does it all, which is just so impressive. It's very, very cool. It's very cool to be able to sit down and talk with you. I'm sure you have so much wisdom to share with all of us, and we're very excited for that. So thank you for coming on. Thank you, Hope. So my first question, I know can you've done- Can we real quick, can we start with the prayer? Yeah, I would love to. Okay. 
Holy Spirit, inspire, of us, inspire us, love of God, consume us. To the true path, lead us. Mary, our mother, look down upon us. With Jesus, bless us from all evil, from all dangers. Preserve us. Amen. May the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. That's a prayer from St. Jesus Mary of Cruci Crucified, <clears throat> Palestinian sister who became a Carmelite nun, died at the age of 33. The story of her life is phenomenal. So she had all the mystical gifts of Padre Pio, you know, by location, reading hearts, stigmatas. But she was a simple little soul that lived in um, in Palest in those days. They called it Palestine, and her remains are in Bethlehem. So wow, very very cool. Thank you for sharing that with us. Yeah. So I know you're kind of you do a lot, but I know that you had a calling to help in the pro life movement. What was that first real tug to get involved in the pro life movement, and what was that involvement? It was it was a year after Roe v. Wade, and I wasn't really attuned. I was in college. And I was not really attuned to what Roe v. Wade really was and the impact because, you know, that was in 73 and I was just in in the midst of college, just beginning med, med school and and are actually in, in college. And we I just worked with a group called uh, Birthright, which was a group in our in, in Blacksburg, Virginia, in, in Virginia Tech. We were just manning phones, and if someone called with a crisis pregnancy, we would be the voice on the other end that was going to offer them every, every using your beautiful name, every ounce of hope to do what they what would be the best for her, which was to keep the baby. And so it was my first exposure to being able to talk. It was by phone. It wasn't sidewalk counseling or anything like that. Okay. Very awesome. After that, see, that was kind of your start in the movement. And then you you became a sister. How have you aided the pro-life movement as a sister? And, and, and why was that a passion to you? That's, you know, as a physician, uh, more so as a doctor than all sisters should be pro-life. I mean, that's a, every Catholic should be pro-life, let's put it that way. Being a doctor in the medical world where not everyone is you know, even people of faith, that's the real battleground. And so as a young person, especially in my family medicine days, we had to really be the voice of reasoning and truth and really being that fifth gospel of talk of, of life, speaking to people about the sanctity of life. So in those early um, residency days, I used to go out and do the March for Life every year. I remember that vividly because in those days in Washington, you could go all the way up to the Supreme Court steps. Now they have it all blocked off. They have all these police out there as if we're going to be terrible writers. But people were um, were out there all the way up. They could. It was it was a lot more free. And there was a wonderful man named Doctor. Joe Scheidler, I think he was a bigger than life. He was about six foot five. His son now is involved with the pro-life movement. And he was one of the, did I mispronounce his name? No, he's just, he's my grandpa. He's your grandpa. Yeah. Oh, you remember I told you I met him and as a young girl, and I was like, so awe-inspired by this man. And I didn't know who he was, 
but he wore this, you know, long tan coat and that hat he used to wear all the time. Remember? Mm -hmm. Yes. And, and I remember going in, they were having a bunch of people got arrested. Now I didn't because at the time that I was a family practice resident, I was also active duty in the military. So I couldn't, you know, really couldn't get arrested. That would really be bad news. I'd probably end up in jail and then lose my commission as an officer and have, it would have been a bad thing. But so many other people were arrested and I wanted to support them because I think I meant in hope that at the same time that these this pro-life uh, march for life was going on, an African embassy that was having very uh, aggressive protest. So the police were out there, you know, picking everybody up. But the the bail for the pro-lifers was like five hundred dollars. The bail for these African protesters was ten dollars. So they at that early time, I could see, wow, this is really unequal. And I remember going in and the very, I went to this bigger than life man and said, you know, we're, we've got some people who've been arrested. And he pulls out his wallet and gives like, here's what he's gave enough for one, you know, $500 or something. I was like, for me, 500 was like 10 million. <laughs> and we collected this money and brought it over to, to help the people get out. And I just, so it's so um god's mystery of being able to have me talk to you and tell this story to your listeners and to you about what a wonderful man your grandfather is you know because he's still alive he's just eternally in life with our lord i'm sure he made it straight to heaven that's the prayer yeah for sure no it is really cool kind of seeing the the impact of god's grace in the pro-life movement because you tell me that you know he he gave you uh, $500 to help get these people out of jail. And I think that that's just so cool because during, I just had my grandma on, um, she was the, the first episode. She told me the whole story of them being sued by the National Organization for Women. And, and they almost lost their house. They put their house up for collateral. Being full-time pro-life activists with four children, it's it doesn't bring very much in. This you know lawsuit from the National Organization for Women ended up being a blessing to them because people came to support them. So it's it's beautiful to see how if you just trust in God's plan, he'll he'll provide. And you know, at one point, I asked my grandma, I was like, "You have Why? to repeat that. Just say that one more time. I want everybody to really hear what you just said. Boy, to now I got to remember <laughs> to trust um, in God's plan." Yeah, because at one point I asked my grandma, you know, why did you continue doing activism um, if you almost lost your house? And she said, well, you know, we really, we really believed in it. We really believed abortion was wrong. We really believed that this was God's calling for us. And, and they just trusted. And, and that is a, that is a whole another level of trust. I mean, I only wish I had and, and, and continue to work on because they almost lost their home, and yet they still trusted God and, and his plan for them. And and that is so encouraging and, and inspiring. And considering that's my grandparents, you know, it's it's know. just, it's very cool. So it's very cool really? to see how he was able to connect with you and help support you and, and, and everything. So you told me too. So for those of you listening, I met, I had the honor of meeting Sister Dee Dee back in April, 2023. So just for me, just a couple months ago, but we were at the Midwest March for Life, which for those of you who don't know, is my favorite pro-life event. It is the best event. And so I was excited to go back for the third year and I got the, uh, I got to meet Sister Dee Dee and we sat at the dinner before the night before and we're talking and everything. And, and Sister, you told me that, um, that you spoke at the Republican National Convention, and that story was really cool. Would you would you share that story? I was 
it was in the 2020 election and it was there was a lot of rhetoric about how president present president was so such a devout catholic and they were using a lot of video footage of him with sisters and all and a lot of catholics i'm sad to say are really not rooted deeply in prayer. They may not even go to mass. As you know, only 30% of Catholics really believe in the true presence of the Blessed Sacrament. Because if we all believed in the Blessed Sacrament, we'd be flocking to mass every day, spending hours before him in adoration and just not wanting to go. If our Lord and Savior, if God was in your home right now, you'd probably invite all your friends and say, you know, they'd be standing in line waiting, just like Sister Wilhelmina in um you know the sister that was found incorrupt in in Missouri and how that word has gotten out and thousands of people are there taking dirt and you know we just when we have the presence of the high almighty we want to have a part of that but so sadly only 30 percent so I was there in the chapel in our convent praying and I was really just asking the Lord I was saying you know Lord, I'm really not doing enough for you, and I'm really sorry And I'm for life. And I just want to be all for you in any way. And I said, use me any way you want me to be. And two hours later, the White House called and asked if I would speak at the Republican National Convention. And I really didn't understand the level of impact that would be. It's a, it's a four-minute speech. They have many people speaking at the Republican National Convention. So I said, and this was for in, to support Donald Trump for the president in 2020. And I, I basically said, if I could speak on the sanctity of life, I will speak. And they, they said, you sure can. So we weaved this speech, four-minute speech. You know, I shared it with my brother, who's a priest. He's now a bishop in Springfield. I shared it with friends to make sure that I what I said was was going to be God's word for the world. And one of the things I had always wanted to do is to say, as a medical doctor, life begins at conception. There's, no, you know, I didn't say this part, but there is no and ifs or buts. I studied in medical school and the, and although the OBGYN Academy of OBGYN will try to change the definition of when life begins. Some people will try to say it's when the baby starts moving. They'll come up with all sorts of reasoning. But the truth is that life begins when the egg and the sperm unite, and that's called the conceptus. And even though it may not have even implanted in the mother's womb, it's still alive and it's already replicating. And then the womb is just the 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 God's brilliant way of allowing us to to grow and nurture so that's what happened i prayed god answered a prayer in a level that i wasn't even expecting you know we pray for something in our human little way and he says okay this is the answer but it's even greater than like your grandparents what they they were rooted in prayer they knew what they were doing they weren't afraid to suffer and for the love of Christ, they fought like heck for the babies who couldn't speak for themselves. And that's now they have a beautiful granddaughter who's taking on the torch. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's definitely it's, a, you know, I did an interview yesterday just asking, you know, what it's like having him as my grandpa. And honestly, I learned more about his life now that he's passed than when I did when he was here. And, you know, I got all these questions for him and 
you know, seek out answers in other ways, but just what I've really noticed is his sheer trust in God. And, and that's really difficult. I'm not sure if you knew this, but I just started a nonprofit and I'm not really sure where I'm supposed to go and what I'm supposed to do exactly, you know, the best way about things. But I know that he did something very, very similar. He too started a nonprofit, several actually. And, and, and the third one worked and he just, he continued to persevere and he just trusted God that he had a plan for him, for his family and everything. And it was such a witness to the faith and to the pro-life movement. And so that's really encouraging for me to just to continue to fight. Did you know there are two things you can do in the next 30 seconds to help end abortion? Yep, and I'm going to tell you. The first is sharing this podcast. I encourage you to share this podcast with a friend, somebody who's pro-choice, or even to your social media. Sharing this podcast with more people makes it so that they can hear these amazing stories and that they can get involved and that they can hear simple ways that they can help end abortion. The second thing you can do to help end abortion is to leave a rate and review. For some reason, the algorithm likes it when people leave more rates and reviews, and so it'll push it out once that is done. So I encourage you, leave a rate and review so that we can reach more people with the message that is, we can end abortion one baby step at a time. Alrighty, back into the episode. You you spoke at the, the Republican National Convention, which mm-hmm. was just so beautiful, and your main message was that that as a doctor you could see that life begins at conception correct yeah and they also said that i'm not only a pro-life doctor i'm pro-eternal life and i want everyone to go to heaven but not everyone will go now this is the corollary to this there is a heaven and there's hell and there's reality to hell and unfortunately there's so many lost souls and 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 that could end up in heaven and hell and our mission really there's not only to save the unborn, but we're there to 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 try to be God's voice to know that He we're the fifth gospel to to tell people that Christ is is real and that hell is real and we have to do all we can to help them um, to save their souls, you know. And as parents, their mission is to 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 prepare their spouse for heaven and to prepare their children for heaven. And that means teaching them the faith and living living a sanctified life. And but when we have politicians and and we have baseball dodgers and stores that are selling satanic things and exposing children and having drag queens teaching at L, at libraries, we have now the highest rate of transgender surgeries in the world. Depression goes along with it. We had this COVID that caused, you know, a blindness in people, fear, anxiety, uh, feeling of worthlessness, wearing their mask. That's called mass transformation, psychosis. This was what happened during Nazi Germany. This is what happened during the Armenian crisis in in the Russian. I mean, it's historically something well known. And so we have a battle between good and evil, between our Lord and the devil. And we are his foot soldiers. We're like the foot soldiers that Joan of Arc had drummed up to to be able to save France, but it's really to save the souls in this world. 
but we can only do that by being in the state of grace. And my mission is to encourage everyone to pray, go to confession. If you're Catholic, ask God for forgiveness, um, receive our Lord in the, in the blood of, body and blood of Christ. Pray Our Lady's Rosary because that's the weapon of choice that the devil hates that. And be in the state of grace is so that we can prepare our souls to heaven and bring everyone with us to, you know, because you in your beautiful joy and hope can will draw people to Christ. And that's what we have to do. So as Catholics, we have to be joyful. We have to let people know, or even just say, you know, as Christians in a general sense, people who don't know Christ and they see you like a, you know, moody face, that's not going to draw people to Christ. You're going to like, ooh. So. Absolutely. Yeah, we were, um, I was having a conversation just the other day. We're having this rally in Chicago on June 24th. And we were we were discussing whether or not there was going to be protesters. And I always find it kind of interesting when there's protesters. I know a lot of people don't like them, but I think it makes it a little more exciting. And and it's and it's interesting for those on the outside. So you've got the protesters, you've got the pro-lifers, and you got the people kind of watching. And the people watching, I feel like when you have the protesters there, it's a real witness because you'll see the protesters and they're angry, they're upset. There's Obviously, they're not on the side of truth. And so they have this internal uh, frustration and battle going on within them. And then you look over and you see the pro-life side and we're full of joy and happiness because we view every life as sacred. And, and we're out here to share that and share the gospel and radiate Christ. And so you can see the drastic difference between the two. And I think that that's a really positive thing. Now, obviously, safety is very, very important. But for that reason, I think that that is, you know, an interesting thing to have are those protesters because then you see the devil doesn't want that. You know, the devil wants that's what these unfortunately these people who, you know, because the Christ is love and truth and and compassion. And the antithesis of that is not Christ. So it has to be the, the satanic movement that is using these people to make a lot of noise, to try to make you distracted, to to spiel out ugly words and whatnot. And we had, because I helped with the, it was kind of fun, but I, I don't know what, they invited me to the Boston Men's March <laughs> last year. It was fun. I mean, and they had all these, they had to put barricades because Boston's a kind of a hotbed of crazy activity. They just had a satanic conference there. Oh, I don't know if you know right. that. So so they had the barricades, and on the other side, they had all these hecklers dressed as clowns. And one, when I got up to speak, the lady started s screaming in a microphone um, to drown me out. And I mean, I, the only thing I, most of the time, I battle things with you know with my family's sarcastic humor. And I just said, could you, do you know Ave Maria? Could you sing that for me? You know, she didn't even know what that was, but oh. yeah. <laughs> if you're going to be loud. That's so funny. Yeah, it is interesting. And yeah, I think that you're right because I think a lot of the time people would view it as, oh, the devil does want protesters there because they're protesters. They're against you. 
But I, I don't know. I view it as a good thing because then, then it becomes, we become even more of a witness. It kind of is like black against white and then you can, you know, really tell the difference. And I think it's really cool. I think this activism in general is -hmm. really cool. And with that being said, how has taking a stand for the pro-life movement impacted your life? Well, I can just see how, how little God wants me to be and let him be the voice to stay out of out of his way as best I can. For example, when I did pray to be God's voice and then the White House called two hours later, I said, that was pretty fast word, Lord, <laughs> to, you know, to do that. And and that nothing that we do for Christ goes without a little suffering, you know, because after. So I realized that, first of all, I'm a real nobody, but because of what I did, for a president that created so much, I mean, the devil hates Donald Trump for sure. Um, if you stand for anything that's truth, like our Lord, expect to be beaten up. Basically, I was called. I've been called all sorts of names. Or our phone at, at the convent was uh, off the hook for seventy-two hours, and they, it wasn't to talk about how thank you for taking care of the poor. And thank you for your religious vocation. It was really guttural voices on the other end about how awful I was. And I, so I've been called all sorts of names from prostitute to Nazi supporter and all that. And, and, you know, blessed are we who are, who are persecuted for the sake of Christ. And so I, I, if, if I was able to meet these people, so many of them wrote letters, wouldn't sign a name. But if I was given the opportunity to meet them, I would give them a big hug and say, thank you, because anytime, and I know your grandparents were this way, anytime we're given the opportunity to be closer to Jesus on that cross, we, you know, are blessed are we who are being persecuted for our Lord's sake. So if they hate me because they hate Jesus or hate what I stand for, which is the life of the unborn, and now my new mission Hope is euthanasia because a very good friend of mine was murdered by euthanasia. So how have I changed? I think I've become less, you know, you can't be a sensitive person and and work for Christ because the, the devil will take our weakness and play havoc with it. So if if I was a sensitive person, I would probably not get out of bed in the morning because of all the people, all the names I've been called and whatnot. But in one way, I feel like it's another little stripe on my shoulder, my battlefield, you know, <laughs> overseas mission, you know, Afghanistan, all that, Iraq, you know, heckled for Jesus. That's awesome. That is a really, that's a really beautiful thing too. And I think you're right about the sensitive thing. It is an interesting thing to think about, you know, that that this isn't an easy fight. It's not easy to be pro-life and be bold about it because, yeah, you do face a lot of criticism. And and you kind of just have to realize that. I don't think that there's anything you can change about the way that people act towards you. I know that I personally, I started a, a new, more part-time job several months back, like seven months ago. And at first it was really quiet about my stance. And actually I was going to the Rose Gala at the March for Life. And I was, you know, telling these girls that I was going to a gala, but I wasn't saying what for because I was scared of what they were going to say. And I was scared that, you know, I've had bad experiences in the workplace before with, you know, saying that I was pro-life. And, and I realized my, after talking to my mom 
she is like, Hope, you're not on the wrong side of this. You know, they're the ones who think that killing a baby is okay. You should not feel like you're the odd one out or that you're weird or that it's awkward on your end. She was like, you value and dignify all human life. And that is not something to feel awkward or ashamed about. And and she was absolutely right. And so since then, I've tried to take a stand and be more bold about it, even though it still kind of is uncomfortable. And even though you still face, you know, being ridiculed and things like that, it's all for the greater glory of a God. But also, I feel like I owe it to these children to be able to stand up for them and say something and get people to think about it and talk about it. Remember that the, the World War II pilots used to say, if the bullets weren't flying toward you, you were going the wrong direction. You know, in other words, if you don't feel the attack, then maybe you're not doing enough. Expect it. Guys, it is so important that we do the simple things for the pro-life movement. One simple thing that you can do today is supporting this show. There are a couple ways to do that. The first is leaving a rate and review. The second is sharing it with your friends and family. And the third is donating to the show. In the description of the show, there is a link that you can click on that allows you to make a donation. All of these things help me a ton with being able to share this show with more people, getting more people involved in the pro-life movement, and ultimately ending abortion. I want to thank you all for your generosity. It means a lot to me. And now back into the episode. But so what I want to tell you, really implore your listening audience to really take to heart in this pro-life fight is we have to be in the state of grace for several reasons. What do I mean by that? We have to have, um, you know, be as pure as we can in, in our spiritual life, go to confession, receive our Lord, pray our rosary. And then first of all, we can actually, the Lord will give us this vision. That's his vision to see because he loves everybody. He even loves the abortionists, those mothers and fathers who are saying yes to killing their babies to all the hecklers on the street that are spitting at us and calling us all sorts of things. He loves them too. So we want to fight this battle with love, not with, um, and I don't mean going up and giving them hugs and kisses, but not, not to give a tip for attack. If they want to yell at you, just, you know, pull out the rosary, just pray a little bit louder. I've been trying to do more of the Our Lady of Sorrows when I go on the sidewalk, because that's such a beautiful meditation form of meditation for for what's going on in the killing place in the in the abortion mill but it's it's a it's a real grace actually and you will get the lord will give you more and more strength to to when you are in the state of grace you don't want to go up there go to the front lines if you if you just had a fight with your boyfriend or your you know something whatever you've got a grave sin on your shoulders because the devil will take that and play havoc with it he will take our weak moments and and run with it but if you strengthen yourself prepare yourself for the battle keep yourself as pure as you can when you get to that front lines god will give you the grace the strength his vision his love and the devil won't have a thing that can, can't touch you and Absolutely. I can't stress that enough for all. And I have to, I do that myself. I try, 
try to go to con- and when I get on the plane before I leave for another for a pro life mission because I try it seems like now I've been catapulted to help pro life like pregnancy centers to drum up more funding and it's a great joy for me to be able to help them with that I I don't step on a plane <laughs> before I go to confession without going to confession so that when I arrive, I can be, you know, try to be his voice. And we have to be that whether we get on a plane or we go onto the sidewalk or you're doing a, you know, your radio show. I'm about to head into the Face the Truth Tour week, which if you don't know, it's a, it's a, it's a week where we take big old signs of the victims of abortion to the streets of the suburbs of Chicago. And it's a week long and I'm working it and it starts on Friday. And and now that I think about it, it would be nice to start off strong and, and going to confession and going to mass and being, you know, in front of the Eucharist. And so um, I got two days to do that. So I guess I will. No, adoration. That's a good thing. You know, spend, yeah, spend time in adoration and bring your friends, whoever are are with you along, even if they're not Catholic, just to just have a quiet moment resting in the heart of Jesus, between the heart of Jesus and Mary. Yeah. And you're doing this on the week before the Sacred Hearts. You got to, when is this? When is this? June 9th to the 17th. Yes. Okay. So on the 16th, it's the, this is our big feast because we're little workers of the Sacred Hearts. So on the 16th, you have the Feast of the Most Sacred Hearts of Jesus. And then on Saturday, the 17th, the Immaculate Heart of Blessed Mary. What a, what a profound way to wow. this this whole mission um, on those two days. What I want to also just share with your listeners is that, you know, when we receive communion, the Eucharist, which is really Jesus' present body, blood, and soul, and divinity, we are, um, um, we, we really have God in us. And when you think about when our Blessed Mother went to Egypt, she and Joseph were fleeing Egypt to go to Cairo because the terror was, um, pushing, it was trying to kill all children. It was a whole, the holy innocence. Remember that in the scripture. Well, uh, Saint or Blessed Agrida or Venerable Agrida, Maria Agrida, who was a mystic in Spain, had these visions. And the vision was Mary and Joseph going across the desert. There were a fleet of angels protecting them. Mary could see this. When they arrived in Egypt, in Cairo, it was pagan territory. There was no God. They, no one even heard of God. But God was there in in this form of a little child. Oh, and wow. the blind started to see. The lame started to walk. People started to, depression was wiped away just by the mere presence of our Lord in the, in the, in the form of a little infant. At the same time, the devil started to swirl around because the devil who had taken hold of all these souls was now being attacked. There was a tight, there's a fight between the, 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 the souls of these, of all these humans in that, during that time, between the devil who had already had a hole and this little infant who was already wiping away everyone's grievance and sins and sadness. That's amazing. Illnesses. And, but think about this. Yeah. Every time you go to Mass and you receive our Lord, food stays in us for at least three hours. This is a medical fact. So Jesus is with you. So when you go on that event this week, try to go to Mass every day because our Lord is in you. And expect miracles to happen because he is with you and he's going to be 
he will be through you changing hearts like what happened with our blessed mother and Joseph when they went to Cairo with right. this Jesus. Well, sister Didi, we have, we're, we're coming to our, uh, the end of our time here. We got less than a minute on the zoom call, but I just want to thank you for joining us today and sharing with us all your wisdom. I'm excited to go back and listen on this episode and just, you know, take in all that you have to say once again, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thank you. We'll just end with a quick, Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Thank you, Hope. Thank you, Sister Didi. We'll talk soon. Thank you so much for listening to the Simply Pro-Life Podcast. If you like this episode, I encourage you to leave a rate and review and to share the episode. Also, feel free to follow me on social media. It is at Simply Pro-Life on Instagram and at underscore Hope Miller on Instagram. If you want to get on the podcast or have any questions, comments, concerns, go ahead and shoot me an email. It is hope at simplyprolife.org. We'll see you again next week on the Simply Pro-Life Podcast. Thank you.